Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. All right, well, we're going to jump into it today. And uh, we are, uh, I'm excited. I, I have to tell you, it's just so ironic how I'm preaching today on the unseen battle, uh, specifically in relationship to our marriages. Uh, and you know, it's funny. My wife and I do pretty good, but my wife and I got in a huge fight this morning. <laughs> and you know what was over? I have to, I'm just going to say this out loud if she's watching. My, I, I, I have, I'm very particular about how my coffee's made. And when I make a French press, there's a certain level of water that I need, or else it's very strong or it's very weak. It's very particular. And I was getting ready, and my wife so kindly went and poured the water, stirred it, put the timer on. And when I walked out, the timer goes, jing, 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 jing. And she didn't put enough water in it. So it was like drinking a bunch of espresso. And I didn't handle it very well. I said, Stephanie, what are you doing? She's like, I was trying to do something nice. I was like, it's so nice, but it wasn't very good. And And then I literally poured the coffee out. See, this is how badly I want you to forgive me. I'm telling everyone my dirty laundry. And I didn't think about the ramifications of that moment, but I went and made my own cup of coffee. And she's like, did you make a whole new cup of coffee? And I was like, I did. She's like, you're a child. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it took us until the very front door here when we got out of the car. We thought, okay, we got to deal with this now. I'm really sorry for being a, uh, uh, doing a child. Well, you're a child too, I said. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just a cup of coffee, Steph. Take it easy. Anyways, yes, I am. Uh, so anyways, so we're going to talk about marriage today. We worked it out, right, babe? We're good? We're good. All right, good. Thank you, Alana. I needed the mood for that moment, so now I'm okay. <laughs> Whew, Holy Spirit, be with me now. Okay, well, what we're going to do is I'm going to walk. Uh, I, I really tried to approach this from many different ways. We've talked a little bit about the unseen battles, uh, and this is the scripture that we've been looking at. Uh, really, the, the foundation was, and I want you to read it along with me, not out loud, but just on the screen. Make sure you see it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So I'm going to say this right out the gate. Your partner, your husband, your wife, they ain't the problem. Uh, they might perpetuate the problem a lot. <laughs> But it's not them. (laughs) It's also not the devil, don't worry. (laughs) But against rulers and against the powers and against the rulers of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. We've been talking about, I felt like we needed to do this series called Unseen Battles because in our culture today, there are all sorts of unseen battles happening all around us. And what we talked about is ultimately this, what we're talking about here is the devil. And the devil is not omnipresent. The devil can't be in, in, uh, in many places at once. And yet he is the ruler of this world. He blinds the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot believe. He is actively working to derail followers of Jesus. And the Bible clearly says in Matthew 24 and in several other spots that even the elect will be led astray in the times of evil. And so it's important for us to recognize that we have to be firm in our faith and be strong in what God says, but also recognize that there is an enemy that's trying to take us out. Last week, we talked about how he's trying to take our children out. And as parents, there's a responsibility as parents to lead our children well. And today, we're going to talk about marriage and look at the, uh, really three uh, culture or three unseen battles that are against uh, our marriages today. Three unseen battles against our marriage. I decided to take a bit more 
of a point approach rather than walking through scripture. We will look at a lot of scripture today, but I want you just to understand these are the three things as I prayed and as I, I studied scripture and as I looked at what marriage really talks about, there's three things I discovered uh, and I believe these are absolutely beneficial. And the reason I want to preach on these because I believe there are marriages in our church that are stuck, that are that are locked up, that are that, that there might may be a demonic oppression on your marriage. I believe this all my heart. If there is a consistent, um, a struggle in in your life or in a relationship it's not just you and it's not just God there is a demonic attack you need to understand that I recognize it about my own life when I struggled with an area of sin for years 20 years and I read a book in uh, from Robert Morris my wife's doing the freedom class right now and I realized he said hey if you've been struggling for a long time with a habitual sin or an area of your life after all you got to realize it could be a demonic attack it could be oppression in your life. It could be the devil trying to take you out. And I realized that the moment I recognized it was when I saw victory in my life. I realized, oh my gosh, I am not like, yes, I'm a sin sinner, but I'm not broken. God's restored me. It's the devil. And you know what? I had to do some work to get out of that stuff in my life. But um, so what I want to talk to you about this first thing is this, the unseen battle against marriage is the first one is, if you're taking notes, foundations. There is an unseen battle against our foundations. I want to show you something very interesting in scripture. There's an unseen battle against our foundations because marriage is one of the most important things that God created. It's one of the most sacred institutions uh, on the planet. God created it and he intended for mankind to be in it. And next week we'll talk about you single folks. So don't worry, I'm not going to isolate you here today. We'll talk next week about being single and the attack on that. And I want to talk a little bit more about the, the, the role of men in today's society. But Genesis chapter one, let's read this together. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Look at this, male and female. He created them. God created a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman. Amen. Amen. Plain and simple. And um, I'm not picking any fights. I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> God created male and female and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. That means have sex and have children, fill the earth and govern it. The rain over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God looked over all he had made and he said it was very good. First time in the seven days he said very good was when he created humans. Genesis chapter 2, 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, Carolina honey, and he brought her to the man. And last the man exclaimed, the one is a bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called, whoa, man, woman, because she was taken from the man. And this explains why. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And so we see this as a foundation. This is a foundation of what God intended for humankind. This is in the Garden of Eden. This is in the context of the perfect creation. This is what God intended for humans. He originally intended for them to find their rib mate, their, the, the one that God pulled out. You say, Ryan, do you believe there's one? I believe there. God has, based on that's a long story. We'll talk about it later. Like, I believe Steph was perfectly fitted for me, but I believe, you know, I'll talk about it later next week. How about that? And so uh, we see here that God intended man and woman to be married and man and woman to have children and man and woman to be together and man and woman to be united as one. And we see these foundations. And the very first thing that God did was he created man, he created woman, he created marriage and said, have children. And then 
We have the very first instance of the devil in scripture in Genesis chapter three. And what was the devil attacking? Attacking the unit and the foundation of marriage. When the devil came to these individuals, he came to one of them, yes, but he wasn't just attacking one because remember, the two became one flesh. And so when the enemy attacked and when the enemy tempted in Genesis chapter three, it was at the institution and the foundation of what God created through man and woman and marriage. Look what the scripture says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. That word shrewdest is actually the word the craftiest. It's actually a really interesting Hebrew word that actually means the most subtle, the most secretive. It's the, the serpent was the most subtle of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. The serpent then wasn't a scary thing like it is now, maybe for some of you. Some of you love uh, snakes, and I pray for your heart, and I know who I'm talking to right over here. It's okay. Bless you. Bless you, Jesus, but it's okay. Snakes scare the, the, the bejeejees out of me, and... Here, though, they were considered in Hebrews' days as an, a light, and, and like this, this, it was beautiful. It wasn't considered scary. And so then when, when Eve saw this little animal, she wasn't, uh, there'd be no reason to be afraid of it. There'd be no reason to think there was a problem. And when the animal started talking, that's when things got maybe a little more interesting and it started having a conversation with her. And so the, the enemy came, the devil came, and he began to subtly do something in scripture. And look what it says. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree? So he began to question the word of God. The very first thing he did in the context of marriage was try to undermine the foundation of biblical understanding in the marriage. The very first thing he tried to do was he tried to attack this. So the strategy was for the devil to try to get the married couple to begin to question God and question the values of God and the values of God's word. And in a, in a culture that is abandoned, uh, it has abandoned the ingrained traditional biblical definition of marriage, we are up against a culture that is constantly trying to chip away at the very foundation of what God intended as a sacred institution to repopulate the earth and continue to spread the gospel through childbearing through having children. And we see as in the scripture very clearly a few things I've really felt important to point out. Genesis chapter 1, 27, and notice that we see two genders. We see male and we see a female. He created the Lord God, made a woman, and he brought them to the man. So we see very important that right from the very beginning, there was a male and there was a female. He created them in this way and he did not intend in this context to be anything else other than male and female. It's very clear in scripture, male and a female. The Bible teaches us that marriage is between a man and a woman. And I know you're listening to say, Ryan, we know this, but I felt because I felt like it's important for me to lay some, some very simple things. You're saying, Ryan, I know it, but no one ever says it out loud from the pulpit with a mic. And that's what I'm doing. Because I have a lot of people who begin to say, mm, is it that? Is it this? No, this is what the Bible says. And I know our culture says something different. And I know it feels like it's, it's judgmental or it's not kind. I want you to hear me. I'm not talking to people who are not followers of Jesus. They don't know the word. You know who I'm talking to? People who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. I'm talking to people who are followers of the word of God or pastors or Christians. I'm not talking to the world. The world doesn't know the word. So we can't judge them according to the word. We, but we can look at followers of Jesus and say, guys, we 
we have a biblical text that teaches us that anything outside of a male and female is not what God intended for his people. And so the issue we're talking about isn't just the world, it's for us. Here's the second thing we see, is that in this same text, that, it, that the relationship is, is, is uh, monogamous. It's, it's, it's intended to be a unified, a woman and the man, not two men and one woman. Not, not an open relationship. This is something that I oddly have seen happening in Christian circles today where people are beginning to sleep with other people and think it's okay. It's not okay. It's monogamous. It's intended to be a, between one man and between one woman. That's why, why, why is it interesting that the elders, when the description of an elder, one of the qualifications of an elder says a man of one wife. Why would he need to say that? Because a lot of times men go out and get other wives on pornography. Or men are getting other wives with their employee at work or they're flirting with them. Or men are, not just men, women as well. We need to understand something. It wasn't intended to be open. It wasn't intended to be, it's exclusive. I know you say, right, this is simple, but I got to say it. Here's the third one. We see that marriage was intended to be permanent. It was very good. Now, I want to make this very clear. I am not talking to people today who have had a divorce. If you've had a divorce and you're here today and you've asked Christ to, to forgive you for that season and, hey, he forgives you, he loves you. I don't know the circumstance, so I'm not judging that decision I'm talking to followers of Jesus for the future yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to every marriage in the room who thought to themselves and looked in the mirror and thought why did I marry this woman I've never thought that <laughs> but what about the d word you know man I really don't want to be with her I don't really want to be with him I'm not talking to people who've made the choice I'm talking to people who are thinking about making the choice and what we see here is that it was, it was permanent, absolutely permanent. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 19, 3. These Pharisees, religious people, came to Jesus and said, they, they came to him to test him. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Look at this, for any and every reason. Man, I don't like the way her breast smells in the morning. I'm going to find a new model. I don't, I don't like, now, now it's so much, this is definitely a, um, a, a misogynistic perspective of these men saying, can we just divorce women? And it was a very um, misogynistic culture in, in, that, in, in the Eastern culture. And so they're saying, hey, you know, can we just divorce anybody we want? Because for any reason at all, did you know that 94% of divorces in Canada have no uh, valid reason for divorce? Did you know that you can get a divorce in Canada right now with no grounds for divorce? takes about five or six months. You can list 12 things between adultery, which I think is a biblical reason to consider it. Obviously, we pray for restoration. But if there's sexual impropriety, uh, if there's abuse, those are the types of things. Okay, there's biblical precedence. But I've had followers of Jesus say to me, hey, we're getting divorced. And I say, well, why? Well, we just don't get along. And I say, well, get over it. Well, right, you don't understand how much we don't like each other. Well, I'm sorry you made the choice. The Bible says it's permanent. Look what Jesus says. And I know I'm not in your shoes, but I've been there in the moment where my wife could have divorced me. You know that? I've said this many times. My wife could have divorced me. She chose not to. Why? Because I was repentant of my sin and I was in sexual sin with pornography in the early part of our marriage. I'm an open book. I'm sorry. <laughs> and she could have, but she chose not to. But she had biblical precedence to divorce me, I believe. So Jesus is saying, like, look at this, for any, any and every reason, like, just whatever I want. I don't like your hair that day. 
I met someone new, so let's just move on. We see here in the scripture, we, we see all of these statistics here. Look at this. As I already mentioned, I went ahead of myself that divorce rate has outpaced the marriage rate in Canada. There's more people getting divorced today than they are getting married in Canada. 94.78% of divorce cases in Canada were no-fault cases. In 2022, there were about 2.78 million people who had obtained a legal divorce and not remarried in Canada. This figure has been steadily increasing since 2000 when there were about 1.88 million divorces in Canada, divorces in Canada. The fact is that around 50% of marriages end in divorce. So here we see Jesus rebuttals them and look what he says. They say, hey, tell me what you think about the divorce. And Jesus says, well, haven't you read that in the beginning? Haven't you read what I just said? That the creator made the male and female. He quotes Genesis chapter one and two. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Notice who joined them together? So this is why it's important, single people. Don't just date anybody. Only date the one God's joining you with. Because let me tell you, marriage can be a prison real quick if you marry the wrong person. Oh boy, let me tell you. I mean, I married the right person and it's stinking hard. Don't worry, Paul says it's hard too, so I'm quoting scripture there. Second Corinthians chapter seven, look it up. He says, listen, I'm gonna go back to the beginning. I'm gonna tell you, you say, Ryan, what about marriage? And tell me, is divorce, you know, for any reason? I'm not talking about those cases, the biblical cases. I'm talking about just for any old reason in our culture. Can I just get divorced and say, like Jesus says, no, go back to the beginning and look what I intended for your life. And then look what Jesus comes back to them. Or these guys say, well, then why then did, did Moses command that a man gave his wife a certificate of divorce and sent her away? Why then did Moses let people get divorced? And Jesus says, well, you want to know why? Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. You just kept begging me and asking me and you would separate. You would literally leave your wife and go sleep with someone else just because you wanted to. And so Moses was so frustrated. Notice here, we don't really see the idea that God was like, I give thee permission to give divorce. No, Moses was like, man, I'm gonna use my, God, my wisdom here to try to figure out how to do this. Hey, if you're gonna divorce them, you're gonna do it anyways, but do it legally. Let's do it right. Let's do it the good way. And Jesus says, listen, it was not that way from the beginning. I did not intend for that to be the case, but your hearts were hard. Why are our hearts hard? Because we are selfish people full of pride. And what happens is, is that you and I tend to be in a place in our marriage where we are fighting, fighting, fighting for something I'm going to talk about in our next point. There we go. How about this? It was intended to be the only expression of sexuality. Be fruitful and multiply. God did not intend the sexual relationship to be outside of marriage. You say, Ryan, do I have to get married? Well, Jesus said, God said here, this is, I'm explaining to you why they get married because the woman was pulled from the man and they are joined back together. They are made one flesh. And so when you're not married, you're two fleshes. The, the, the ceremony of marriage before God creates the one flesh spiritually. The sex and the honeymoon creates one flesh physically. And so we say, Ryan, I don't, I don't need to get married. And it's not that big of a deal. And I don't really want to No, marriage. Get married. Get married. Come on. We encourage you. If you're dating for, I told Joel and Catherine this. They were married for, engaged for two years. I said, Joel, you need to get married next year. They hated me for it. They were very upset. But it was a good thing, Joel. Good for you. <laughs> we also see that the relationship a marriage relationship is the one place we can fulfill the original covenant of God, which is to have children. Now, I know some of you today are want children and we're praying for you. 
but I want to say this because I want you to hear me very clearly. The context in which a child should grow up and in which God intended it is a man and a woman in a marriage relationship. Now, if you're single here today, you're single and have children, I believe God gives you a supernatural grace to play both roles on some level. But I want to say this today, that, that there are adoptions and children, more children being adopted by homosexual couples than the body of Christ. And we're going to change that. And I believe God's going to give us wisdom on how to help foster Christian foster families with a man and a woman to raise up children. Why? Because this is how we raise up the next gen. The gospel of Jesus Christ will not be, be advanced in Canada if we don't have children and teach them to love Jesus. It will end with us. And so fostering and, and adoption, and I pray it's not for everybody. It's a call of God, but I want to keep talking about it because we have people of the world who are adopting children, and I want to say it today. God did not intend a child to be raised up in a home that is outside of a man and a woman or even a single mom or a single dad. That's even a challenge, but God intended to be a, between a man and a woman, and I want you to hear me with that. And so today we have adoptions happening. My wife has told me about it, foster care and adoption happening from people. And the children are often really struggling because they're trying to understand why my mom and dad are the way that they are. We love, we love people. I want you to hear me. Please hear me today. We love people and we love them and we want them to know Jesus. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to say this today. Pray, does God want you to foster? Does God want you to adopt? Does he want you to do that? And as a church, we're going to do our best to resource people in our church who want to do that. Amen? Amen. All right. The devil's strategy is simply to chip away. So here's the second one. Power struggle. The unseen battle in a marriage is a power struggle, a power differential. Very fascinating as I look at this scripture. The gender, the, 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 each gender was made in the image of God. They were made into one flesh. So they were made equal. So when God made Adam and Eve, they each had their primary roles and responsibilities, but unified as one flesh, they were equals. They were one. And see, what happens is, is you'll notice that when the devil went to attack this relationship, who did he go to? One day, the devil asked the woman. Now, I want you to hear me today. I'm, I, I, I believe in, you know, equality and all that stuff. So just hang with me here because I know I'm going to get an email about this one. <laughs> Why did the devil choose to go to the woman Yet when God was searching for them, he looked for the man. Because the devil knew that there was equality, yet there was roles of responsibility that the man has in the marriage relationship that he was not playing. And so the devil capitalized on it and went to the woman. He went to the woman because in this scripture we will see this woman was in charge. Look what it says in the scripture. His response, he said this. He tried to convince her that, hey, listen, God didn't say that. God, God didn't mean that. And look what it says. The woman was convinced. 
she had a, a conversation with the devil about this tree of knowledge of good and evil and what life would be like outside of this context. And she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she made a decision, took some of the fruit and ate it. And then look what it says. Then she gave some to her husband. Look at this, who was with her. He ate it too. So here's Adam, the, the first creation of God, made from the dust of the ground, the very creator, the, the leader of the home, standing there like this, watching Eve have a conversation with the devil. Why would the devil go and talk to the woman? Because he knew it is in our carnal nature to have a power differential. I believe women are better leaders than men, without a doubt. And I'm not just saying that so my, my wife will uh, be nice to me later. I believe women are better leaders than men in most cases. But what I do believe is that, that, that women were not given the freedom to lead men. Men were called by God to be the leader of the home. It doesn't mean men, men are better than women, but there are things in which men are better than women. And there's a lot of things that women are better than men. Praise God. Have you ever seen me try to do some of the things my wife does? The whole world falls apart. You understand something, that there is a power differential that the devil knew about. And what he knew was, is he knew that if he could go to the woman and give her the ability to make this choice without the man, she, he absolutely knew that this guy was insecure, passive, and unwilling to lead because he was spending his whole life trying to satisfy him with something else in this world rather than taking the ownership as the man of God he was supposed to be. And this is one of the greatest challenges in marriages today, Christian marriages. Men are too passive and too insecure, and women are too controlling and too overbearing. Ooh. I just can see our YouTube channel. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unlike, unlike. Whew. See, I'm not making this up. Now, I have been married for almost 18 years, and I could tell you that that's most likely true. And my wife would stand up here next to me today, see her nodding her head. She's not fuming mad. Don't worry. I didn't, I didn't, this isn't just from my 18 years of experience, which would be called relativism. This is from the word of God. He gave, look at this. I want to show you. He gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Now, I want you to notice something. That when we read about the sin, that this first sin, all throughout scripture, it was not the woman that was accredited to the sin. It was the man. Notice this, Romans chapter 5, 15. This is Paul writing. When Adam sinned, who sinned first? Eve did. But it doesn't matter if Eve sinned first. The man has to take responsibility for his home. So if there's sin happening in your home or there's a disruption in your relationship or there's something going on there, it ain't the woman's fault. It's not the kid's fault. It's my issue. I am responsible for my family. And the devil knew that if he went to the woman who naturally has an ability to lead and the man who tends to be insecure and passive because he probably has a, a lacking relationship with his father or he failed in life and wants to do better or he feels like he's not something or he was abused when he was little. All those things are relevant. And what happens is we create 
passive, insecure men who don't know how to lead in a godly way, even though you and I take responsibility for our home no matter what happens. If my son lies and cheats at school, guess what? Yes, my son caused the sin, but ultimately it's my issue as his dad to correct it, to adjust it, and I have to take responsibility. See, Ryan, that's not fair. Well, that's what it means to be a leader in your home. We see here that men have to take responsibility. We're reckon- all throughout scripture. It's not mentioned that Eve was the one who took that. It was the man. Because in this situation, there was a power differential. And we see that when God, as I mentioned, looked for the, 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 his people in the Garden of Eden, look what it says. It says God called for the man. He didn't say, Eve, where are you? He said, no, man, where are you? I created you the leader. You represent the home. Hey, where are you? He said, well, we were afraid. We took from the fruit. I'm sorry. You know, he didn't say sorry. He, I wish he could, would have. Maybe all the same would be different. <laughs> I'm sorry, God. Okay, let's just keep going. <laughs> I'd be flying right now, playing basketball or something. Just kidding. What happens is, is that this lack of leadership causes disunity. And disunity in the relationship causes a power differential. Yeah. And I want you to notice the, the, what happened after this is that, uh, that, he came to Eve and said, Eve, what happened? And look what he said. Look, look what the man says, rather. It was the woman you gave me. <laughs> so he's standing off on the side, passively just playing his video game on his phone. Hey, Dad, just a minute. Hey, Dad, just one second. Hey, Dad, I'm almost going to win. Hey, Dad, okay, well, what do you need? Dad, it's over now. The thing's gone. I can't talk. Just, just, just over up, doing his thing, watching his show, playing his video game, fishing. No, no fishing. It's good. That's sacred and holy. It was the woman. Look, he didn't just blame the woman. He blamed God too. Mom, what is he doing? He's not taking any responsibility. Amy, it was this woman that you gave me. And then he goes to the woman, and the woman says, well, it was the devil. (laughs) What have you done? Well, the serpent deceived me, so that's why I ate it, because the devil tricked me. I didn't know what to do. So the man's blaming God and and, and the woman, and the woman's blaming the devil, and now we have everyone blaming each other, and all we have is no one taking responsibility, and there's a power struggle. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna say sorry to you. Why would I say sorry to you when you were the one with the problem? And then what you're doing is you're causing a power differential, and now constantly it's like this, and you're never equalized in your relationship because the man is being insecure and not leading well and taking responsibility and being humble, and the woman's being a natural leader in controlling the environment, and so it's constantly like this, And the devil knows once he gets that teeter-totter going, it's a vicious cycle. Look what happened. The woman doesn't take responsibility. And then we see, very interesting here, that we see the curse, if I can say that. Look, it says, yes, you'll have pain in childbirth. So that sucks. And I... uh, don't even know what that's like, obviously, because men cannot have babies, <laughs> just to let you know that. <laughs> but, so that part, I, I, that's between you and God. <laughs> but look at this here. This is the curse of, of the woman. You will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. This is where we get the feminist movement from. This is where we get Equal opportunity. Now hear me. I'm all for women getting paid, same as men, all that stuff. Hey, this is what I'm for. 
whoever does the best job gets paid the most. <laughs> like, that's just kind of how it is. But I want you to see this here. The, the natural ingrained response of a woman is to want to try to control the home, control the husband, to control him. And now look at the response of the men. This is how the men, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of this. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from all the days of your life. Men, this is why your career will never satisfy you. This is why you go to work every single day and this is what you feel. Man, my life has no purpose. Man, I'm just doing a website or I'm just, I'm just a landscaper or I just work at Home Depot or I just, I just, I'm just an accountant or I just do this anything. Man, I'm going to find value and I'm going I'm to I'm find some purpose in life. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make more money and supply more for my kid and I'm going to prove to my dad that I am a success and my father-in-law that I can do it. And you spend your whole entire life working through painful toil trying to find satisfaction. So now we have the wife who's trying to control the husband. Honey, you're gone so much. You work so often. Why are you so gone all the time? You never care about us. Come on, I want you to come back. I want you to be here, 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 here. You better not be past five o'clock or else you're going to get a spanking. And then, and then and the guy's out there working because he doesn't want to be controlled by the woman. So he goes out and works more. He might go out and flirt with that girl or look at that pornography or play that video game for 15 hours a day like a child. And he'll go out and do all these different things. Why? Because it's ingrained in us to have a power differential. We see that women have a natural leadership. That's why she was there leading, because she said, okay, if my husband's going to sit on his butt and do nothing, I'm going to lead. And I think there's many marriages today that are just like that, where the woman gets out there and tries to take the lead, and she's trying her best to keep the home going, and she gets a little overbearing, and she gets a little controlling, and she might be a little naggy, if I can say that. And so then the guy's like, oh my gosh, this is too much for me. I'm going to go to work. You work and 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 you work until what happens is you're laying on your deathbed and you look back at your life and say, oh man, you know my number one regret in life is that I did, I worked too much. I wish I just would have spent more time with my family and I wish I would have humbled myself and if I would have been there more with them and spent more time with them, then my wife would have had need to control everything because she didn't know how to handle the fact that I was gone all the time or, or, or that my focus was always on that client or my focus was always on turning that profit or my focus was always on that. The next thing in my life, the purpose that I get to fulfill, my purpose and my, I want to tell you today, men of God, listen, your purpose is no longer about you. It's about your wife and your children. Stop trying to chase your purpose. If you got married and have kids, welcome to your purpose. You will not find fulfillment and satisfaction because of what happened through the fall. Now, through what do we do, Ryan? Well, you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where he becomes your value and he becomes your identity. And you realize you could never work enough hours to satisfy that itch in your soul for purpose in your life. It only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, living a simple life, accepting your lot in life, being content with what God has given you, and living in the moment right now, knowing that in, in just four years, my daughter's 18 years old. Just, just six years, my son's out of the house, just like that. And I'm out trying to build the church and build this big, no, 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 stop it. It's a power differential. You're trying to prove you're powerful. You don't have to do that. Just stop and be you. Love Jesus and confess your sin. Stop looking at pornography. Stop lusting. Stop being greedy. Women, stop, stop these things. Just stop it. And let's start serving Jesus. Let's start loving each other. Let's start caring for one another. 
leads me to my last point here today, and I'll let you go. The very last thing we see and I'm going to end on a kind of a heavy note here, is the battle, unseen battle against marriage is secrets. I've learned through major failure that the, the, one of the greatest ways that the devil attacks us is by giving us the mindset that I deserve this secret. I deserve this Instagram account where when I'm flipping through it, I'm seeing all these really attractive girls. And oh, it's okay. No big deal. Hey, not a big deal. Yeah, I linger a little long. No big deal. Or a woman who's out. Maybe she's at a store and she feels like, well, I, you know, I deserve that, that shirt. Or, you know, I, I know we can't afford it. Or it's not, I need to talk to my husband. I, I can't, you know, whatever. Or maybe it's a relationship at your work, or maybe it's just unforgiveness in your heart towards your spouse. And you know, you had a fight the other day. I mean, even right now, I gotta tell you, I still feel a little tinge of frustration towards my wife. And she even told me on the way out, she says, I think you're a dweeb is what she said. So I, I got that toxic thing in me where it's like, you know, and you just, you listen, if you wanna have a life, if you wanna, I'm gonna be, um, if you wanna have great sex in your relationship and your marriage, which by the way, the way for you to have supernatural intercession outside of prayer is to have sex. Whenever my wife and I are fighting, guess what we do? Hey, I think we should have some sex. And guess what happens? You become one flesh. You get unified. You come back together. You know how hard it is to be intimate when I've got a secret? You know how hard it is to be intimate when I'm driving down the road and there's a girl walking along the road and I take the time to look at her and I just harbor that in my heart. No big deal. God, I'm sorry. But in reality, the Bible says that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. You say, I don't need to tell my wife that. You should. Listen, right now, if you take a moment and say, okay, do I have any secrets in my life? If for one moment, you, your mind comes to one thing, oh, I don't need to say that, then you probably should say it. Want to know why? Because the devil wants us subtly and slowly to keep little secrets. And it goes from lust and it'll turn into pornography. Or it'll go to buying this little pack of gum to spending all this money that you don't have. It'll be to spending a little bit more time with this person at work or texting that girl or texting that guy or being in their DMs or whatever it might be. Whatever the secrets are in your life, I wanna encourage you, divulge every secret to your spouse. You watch what happens. There will not be a foothold for the devil in your marriage. Guess what? You will have a great relationship, uh, intimacy, great sex, great communication. If you simply open up your life and say, no more secrets. Look what Jesus says here. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. Look at God's light, who is Jesus, came into the world. But people, they love darkness, more than the light, look at this, for their actions were evil, and all to who evil hate the light, look, and refuse to go near the light for fear that what? Their sins will be exposed. So when you keep a secret, this is hard truth, when you keep a secret in your life, you know what you're doing? You are actually rejecting the ministry of Jesus in your life. Because Jesus is light. He does, he shines a light in your heart. You say, oh, I don't want you to see that. He says, it's okay, son. God, I'm really sorry about that this happened. I know you are, but let me just see it. 
okay, well, what do I do now? The Bible says very clearly, look at this, Proverbs uh, 28, 13. I will not go well for the man who hides his sins. But he who tells his sins and turns for them will be given loving pity. How about this, James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. How about this one, my favorite? Psalms 32, one to two. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord is cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in what? Complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. I was irritable towards my wife. I was impatient towards my kids. I just wanted to get away. I wanted to get away from the people that loved me because when I was around them, I felt shame. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave all my sins. All my guilt is God. Praise God. See, the very powerful confession. Ryan, my wife won't handle it. Well, listen, she'll be able to handle it by God's grace. Ryan, my wife, if my wife only knew what I did. Listen, it's okay. I wanna encourage you today, if you're dealing with a, a deep sin in your life or a mistake that you've made, and you wanna to talk to your spouse about it. My wife and I, or one of our elders, or one of your, your group leader, would love to be a, a, a mediator for you to help you bring reconciliation to that. I'm saying this today because I am attacking what I believe is a battle against marriages in our church. I believe there's been a foundation attack. I believe there's been a power differential. And I believe there's been an attack by allowing us to have secrets. So what I wanna do is I want you to stand to your feet. What I'm going to do is I'm going to end today, and we're going to sing a song. Uh, Pastor James is going to lead us, or Steph is, whoever is, <laughs> and I exalt thee for a moment. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and I'm going to release you. But we're going to create an atmosphere of prayer. And you're like, Brian, I just need prayer. There's a sin in my life, or maybe you're struggling, or maybe it's not that. Maybe your marriage is struggling. This is the place to do it. You're like, I don't want anyone to know. Trust me, if you do, you'll be healed. You just come out to the center. You can come up front. Our prayer team can come forward now. Elders and Joel and Bassie and everybody else. Come on, I'm going to pray. And then if you want prayer, I'm going to release you. You can go. You can stay. It's up to you. But I love you very much. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we start, we end this time of how we started it, Lord. We just say, Father, we are open to your light in our lives, Holy Spirit. I pray against any chipping away of foundations in our marriages power differential that's causing there to be uh, out of balance when equality and laying our lives down for one another is what you expect from us, God. And Lord, I pray, Father, for those who have secrets. Today, give them the courage and the strength to confess it to their spouse that there may be healing. We want to say, Father, we love you. Thank you that, Father, our marriages are protected by your grace and your mercy. Thank you that your blood covers a multitude of sin, that as far as the east is from the west, you've removed our transgressions from us. Lord, I just pray for our marriages in the room. I pray for intimacy. I pray for fresh, fresh uh, love. I pray for encouragement. I pray for faith. I pray, Lord, that they would go the distance, Father, in their relationship. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, amen. Come on, you're dismissed today. I love you so much.